0: Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're
1: excited to have you listening. And we're back with another wonderful episode of Ripstop on the Record. What's up, everybody? Jameson here. Isaac. uh, Episode 42. We are glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Give me the rundown of what we're talking about.
0: Uh, we've got some fun things. So industry updates, and then we've got a wonderful episode with Tim from Learn MYOG. Now, uh, quick little bit. Last week, we talked about the Intro to DIY ebook, which is officially out, and you can download that for free right now. If you go to our website, hover over the little resources thing on the navigation, and then click through a couple of prompts, you'll get a free download in your email. Now, we are sort of expanding that conversation of Intro to DIY to talking about the fears of DIY today. Now, most of you know Tim. If you don't, then you should soon. Tim, in the episode, I kind of called him like the world's tutor of MYOG because he's rapidly become one of the most notable people to make uh, repeatable patterns for all sorts of pieces of kit and clothing and equipment and skills and all sorts of stuff. So he's really cool, but we're going to talk to him about the fears. So things like measuring your pattern incorrectly, things like wasting materials or Maybe you don't have the skills or even a little bit about uh, how some people have gotten hurt while DIYing, Um, not emotionally hurt, but like, you know, sewing fingers and stuff. So if you have any fears about making your own gear, this episode's for you. Has anyone ever been hurt DIYing here? Not that, you know, emotionally,
1: yes, (laughs) physically, (laughs) probably, I've definitely cut myself on like scissors or something. Not from the sewing machine, though. Yeah. I don't even understand how you could sew your hand. I use the most amount of profanity when I'm sewing. <laughs> I don't really use that much profanity. It's just something about the sewing machine like really brings it out in me.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. So I've never most Emotionally hurt? Yes. Physically hurt? No. No, I haven't. Surprisingly, I haven't like stabbed myself with the seam ripper or anything yet. I'm sure it's coming. I've definitely hurt my project. Yes. Like, yeah,
1: I've used the sure. seam ripper and like got too aggressive because I was like upset. Kind of like what Isaac was talking about. And then just like seam ripped through the whole, like the center of the hammock yeah. or whatever. I've definitely done that. And then I physically burned others once yes. that happened.
0: Uh, anyway, so yeah. Fears of myog with Tim coming up here in a minute. As for some industry updates, um, there's been an Etsy strike, which has kind of been interesting. So the only reason we're bringing this up, not because we have some like stock in Etsy, but we do have a lot of people, customers are that use Etsy. It's, it's huge for the MYOG community and people that have kind of uh, startup cottage companies and stuff like that. Um, so for people that don't know, uh, Etsy is increasing their percentage they take per sale from 5% to 6.5%. Um, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but if that is your means of income, you can imagine if there's a 30% increase in what you don't make anymore. So kind of interesting for everybody making Garrett there. It's a huge strike. A lot of people put their stores on vacation mode to kind of take a stand and say like, Hey, we're working really hard and you're making it hard to work. I wonder how that's going to affect
1: like international sales too. Cause I'm sure there are other uh, percentages and things that go into like shipping things overseas and then like currency exchange rates and all that. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I haven't looked at it. I mean, I knew there was a strike, obviously. Um, I haven't looked at it much, but I definitely... We should keep tabs on that and see.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll just go ahead and make this my uh, tip of the week, you know? Tip Tip of the the week! week. Uh, The tip of the week is to... is You don't always have to make your own gear from scratch. You can modify gear that you have uh, to make it suit you better while you're planning a bigger project or just because you need to tweak something small and everything else about like your pack is cool. Uh, I was reminded of this because I was on some Facebook forum thing. It was called, I think it's DIY backpacking gear forum or something. And someone was giving away a pack that they had modified. It was like an Osprey. I don't know, maybe an Aura. I don't know the women's specific names by heart, but I think it's an R-A-U-R-A or something. Uh, but they had like cut off a bunch of stuff to make it lighter and suit them better. And then also they cut off like the entire top and the uh, brain and replaced it with DCF and made like a DCF roll top. So it was like a hybrid DCF Osprey pack, which was just really cool. Um, and I kind of want to try it now. Cause there's yeah. a, I, I like the REI flash. I think it's flash. Is that what it's called? Flash 50 I think yeah. so. pack. Uh, it's It just looks cool and they have some cool features, but I'm like, dude, that's way too heavy. So now I kind of want to buy one and like replace it with like vest style straps or something. Uh, yeah. But anyways, that's my tip. Don't, you know, make as much stuff as you want, but also if there's something cool that you have, you can be sustainable and maybe there's only one thing on it that could make it a lot lighter or make it better to use.
0: It's kind of like a, like a Franken pack or Franken piece where like you can, that's a really fun idea because, like, everyone raves about how comfortable the Osprey packs are, or like a, a large frame pack, but the weight is obviously undeniable. So it just got my wheels turning on like, what are other things that you can kind of merge like this weird collection of things to make something that is even better? That was super cool. Um, maybe we can try to put that in the in the episode picture so you can see that if you're watching on YouTube. Go we'll check that out. We will we can link that in the show notes as well. Carter, just send us that that link. Um, as for some other updates, uh, 1.6 Hyper D Eco is out. That is our PFC free uh, post consumer recycled hammock fabric that just came out on Earth Day last week. It is super rad, two new colors. Um, the performance Sage. is awesome. Sage is a great color. Sage and sleigh blue. They're both super cool.
1: They are super cool. I love cool. them. I want to start, we are going to start adding those uh, colors to our lineup if we see that people like them. So please like buy those colors. Yeah. Because me and Isaac made the decision to add them. So you're supporting us. You're showing our managers that we made a, a good decision. So only buy those colors. Thanks. <laughs>
0: uh, another update is we are going to trail days. Now you've heard about this a couple different times, um, but I'm going to get the dates right this time. We're going to be there from May 13th to the 15th. That's when trail Days is open. So if you're in the area or if you want to see us, meet us, Meet Avery. uh, Meet Jason. You can't miss him. He's probably the tallest guy in the general vicinity. Uh, Then show up to Trail Days. We're going to have some free stuff to give away. We'll also have a bunch of raffles that you could potentially win. So show up to our booth. Say hi. We'd love to meet you. um, Check out some fabrics. As well as stuff to buy, too. There will be. Yeah, we'll have like a point of sale area in the tent as well. So that'll be super rad. So come check us out in. Damascus, a bunch of really cool spotlight gear. Lance, our B2B specialist, has reached out to like eight different companies and got them to send in gear that they make with special fabrics that we have. So there's going to be stuff made of EcoPack and Ultra, DCF, XPack, the new Hyper-D, a bunch of those. We're going to have those products um, on display in other like made into gear, which would be super rad. Plus a pack made with Ultra 100, which I don't know I've seen yet. Have you seen I maybe seen enough,
1: like yeah. maybe like one, but I don't know if it was by a cottage person. Yeah. I don't
0: think I've seen anybody making ultra 100 packs yet. Yeah. That'd be really cool. But the things that you can win, we're giving away a UGQ quilt. You have to be a trailblazer for this. So I'm sorry for everybody else, but you can still get stoked about it and check out for the content, but uh, giving it, we're giving away a UGQ quilt and we're giving away a pack made by Matt from Red Paw. That's going to be made with the new ultralight Venom stretch mesh, as well as a 3.9 Venom TPU coated material that we have. Um, it's hot. I've already seen pictures of it. It's really awesome. So, yeah, come to chill days.
1: Oh, we're also giving away fabric.
0: Yeah, three curated fabric sample boxes. These guys packed them. I picked them up once. They're kind of heavy, but there's a lot of fabrics in there.
1: There's everything from... Uh, Jason, if you're listening, turn this off. Um, There's some DCF in there. There's some X Pack. There's insulation. uh, There's enough in there to make lots of cool. uh, There's also narrow goods, I think Isaac put in like Amsteel and Zipper. uh, So you'll have uh, a really fun time.
0: My, um, I guess you could call this my tip of the week. I think. Tip of the the week. week. So my tip of the week is get a cricket. Now, that's not, you know, not everyone has that opportunity, but we just got one this week and we started playing around with it after Avery brought hers into the office two weeks ago when she was here. Um, So now on both sides of the podcast, we have crickets and kind of legendary. Shout out to Avery. She definitely convinced us to get one and she literally drove it all the way down uh, in her car just to show us for like 20 minutes. And we cut out like stars and a heart and a square and
1: stuff. (laughs) I was talking to Isaac earlier. And, like, I could tell that he wasn't really, like, fully engaged with what I was saying. (laughs) And I pointed at it, and I was like, you're never the same when you're around her. But I was just talking about the cricket, because he really, really, really likes it. It's going to be cool. Oh, we also used it to use the pin function, and we drew a flower. And then, uh, for those of you that don't know, Kyle, our owner, is now a father. And so, we made it seem like his new son wrote a note to jason so we we had like a flower that we that the cricket drew and it said from kim baker and then we gave it to jason he didn't believe it though i don't know why (laughs) he threw it away immediately actually but
0: yeah shout out to founder owner ceo kyle and gene on their the new baby boy everybody seems pretty happy and healthy on that note we're gonna cut to the episode thanks everybody enjoy Hey Tim, thanks for joining us today. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Happy to be here.
0: So I was as I was preparing for the episode, I was thinking about what you do and, and learn MYOG and everything. And I came to this realization that in many ways, you are the like international tutor of MYOG. The <laughs> Learn MYOG. We've talked to people all over the world that know what you do and follow what you do. How did you go from making your own gear? I assume just, you know, in your basement or at your home to, uh, you make tons of patterns, have all sorts of stuff from running vests and bike bags and apparel. Tell us about kind of how you started NYOG and, and how you ended up where you are now.
2: Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of taken off really. Um, you know, I've just been a member of the maker community on Reddit primarily. And, uh, you know, just always been into making things, whether it's been making kayaks or, you know, now making, making gear and really jumping into apparel. Um, it's just kind of been happenstance and, uh, the website was kind of a project where I could share, share designs that I was coming up with. And, you know, it, it really revolved around, um, I've created these pattern generators primarily for the, for the subreddit. And we, we were doing these little make your own gear community projects where I'd make this simple little pattern and put it out there and let people run with it for a month and see what they came up with. And it was just a thing to bring community together and kind of launched it onto a website and the popularity just took off, right? It's, it's, it's really, uh you know, it's super exciting to see people really all over the world, getting into, getting into making and being able to share ideas with people and talk to people, whether it's on Instagram or Reddit and, uh, just really bring that community together. So the website has done very well. Um, but for me, it's just, it's my way of being part of the community and, and, you know, paying it forward or just being, being active in that community. And uh, I'm just excited to see people, see people get into it and, and, uh, use the patterns really. Do you
0: remember when you first started making your own gear? Was it, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, or when did you start this?
2: Um uh, probably uh I think probably about 4 years ago is really when I got into pack making. Um my first pack is actually the the blue pack you can see in the background there. I took that up um I took that uh, up in the White Mountains on the Presidential Traverse. Um and that was about 4 years ago and kind of since then uh you know the the, ha- the the hobby has really just expanded for me and the you know certainly being in the website and doing the pattern making is really it's gone, you know, it's kind of gotten a little crazy, right? I got multiple sewing machines now, I've got way more fabric than I know what to do with. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's a really fun hobby. It's great because it's something you can kind of do for a couple hours each night. It doesn't take a lot of setup. Uh, cost-wise, it's not very expensive to get into it. And, uh, you know, it's a, a motivator to get outside and, you know, enjoy the outdoors as well, so. Yeah. So
0: talking about getting started, that's a great segue. Our whole topic today was the fears or are the fears of MYOG and the things that people worry about when making their own gear. So that pack that you're talking about is probably a good example for all these things that people are are referring to. But some of the main fears that people have is the fear of the techniques that they they need to make something successful. And then often the thing that we hear the most and probably the questions that we get the most on our help center are what fabrics to choose. Mm -hmm. So as you, you know, put some of your own experience in there, but do you have any tips for people that are getting started in terms of the techniques or, you know, the ability they have to create those that gear, and then uh, knowing they're choosing a great fabric?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, So I think getting in, getting into making, you know, certainly sewing project like soft goods uh, really isn't that difficult. Um, I think what a lot of people stress about is do they have the right tools, right? Do they have the right sewing machine, right? And certainly you can dive into the world of fabrics, right? And you can geek out as much as you want on the technical attributes of fabrics. And I guess I'd encourage people, you know, try to stay away from that, right? Don't, don't bog down with all the details, right? You can certainly run to Joann's and buy some cheap fabric and make functional gear that'll last a long time. Um, and then once you kind of get into it, you can certainly start really spending more, more time on the details and more money on, on fabrics and things like that. Um, one really great way of getting started with a sewing machine, you don't need to run out and buy anything. A lot of local libraries and these community tool groups have sewing machines that they'll loan out for free. Um, or you can go to maker spaces and use them, or just hit up your hit up your mom or or family friends. Right, that's that's how I got started. Is my mom's machine? I still have it in my basement. Uh, she comes out to Seattle, and she still uses that machine every now and then. So, you know, you don't really need to spend a lot of money. You don't need to spend a lot of time getting into it. Um, certainly, you can pick up patterns. There's a lot of free patterns. There's certainly a lot of paid patterns out there. Um, and you know, jump into the community. A lot of people are there to help. And you know, you don't have to start with a big project. You can start with stuff stuff sacks and fanny packs and things like that. And You know, I think it's just really easy to get into, but I think people really wrap their head around all the details that are there. And it's fun to do that, but if you just want to get started, you don't need to do that, right? You can just run to the craft store and buy everything you need and then use a hand, you know, use a, use a machine that's available to you uh, to jump in.
0: Yeah, it is. It is funny how many people get machines. Um, or just the different ways that people get them. I mean, like the, the thrift stores, but more often than not, it's just from a family friend. Like I just asked my mother-in-law one day, I'm like, Hey, do you have a sewing machine sitting around? And, and she gave me a funny look, but she had two or three sitting around just, you know, <laughs> she's collected right. over the years. And right. and then sure enough, I got the next machine I got was from a family friend that was moving overseas and, and, and they didn't want to keep theirs. So they are, there's so many of them just floating around. Um, yep. and they don't, like I think the, another fear that people have about getting started is, you know, is my machine good enough to handle, you know, handle these heavy duty fabrics. And most of the fabrics aren't super heavy duty. I mean, right. most of the fabrics, even on your packs, there probably aren't, you know, they're, they're not more than eight ounces. You know? right. <laughs> like, exactly. These home exactly. machines can, can do a lot more than you realize. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, I'd say, unless you're really getting into a lot of leather work, right there's really not too many things that a standard domestic machine is going to be able to handle. And you guys talk a lot about the Singer HD and yeah, people make fantastic gear with that machine. And it's, you know, it's, they call it heavy duty. That is not a heavy duty machine by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But it's, you know, it's more than capable, capable for making, you know, quilts, tents, bags, anything that's really, you know, these synthetic fabric, you know, fabrics, you can really do a lot with a, a pretty basic machine.
0: So I- I'm curious, um, this is stepping aside from the fears of M.I.O.G M- M- for a brief mm-hmm. moment, but uh, speaking of fabric selection, you work with a ton of fabrics and have worked with a, a ton of fabrics that we offer and even ones that we okay. don't. Uh, what fabrics intrigue you right now? What on the markets is really interesting?
2: I'm certainly looking a lot into the apparel fabrics. Um, that's just kind of the, where I kind of steered myself a little bit, and that's kind of an interest area. Uh, for pack fabrics, I'm really interested in, in the ultra line from challenge fabrics. Um, you know, there's a lot of really... Technical fabrics that I think are great. Uh, I also I just saw that you guys announced an eco-friendly um, the Hyper D 1.6, the eco recycled and P- PFC uh, DWR. I think that's a fantastic you know move in that in that space. That 1.6 actually the the orange jacket in the background that's 1.6 Hyper D, and I think that's a fantastic fabric because it really balances kind of the the triad that I look at when I'm just you know picking a fabric, which is you know durability and use uh, for you know for what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do with it. Um, there's the sewability and then cost, right? And I think Hyper-D, that 1.6 is a really good balance because it's not super fragile. It's really easy to work with. And from a cost standpoint, it is quite affordable. Um, The Hyper-D 300, I think it's in the same boat where if you're looking for a waterproof fabric, that's a great one to get going with. Um, But yeah, Challenge is doing some really cool stuff, especially with that ultra line. And then apparel fabrics, there's a lot of things out there that I'm still learning. Uh, Polar Tech makes some fantastic fabrics. I'm really looking forward to see what you guys come up with this year with with your apparel line. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm, you know, been looking at for for new fabrics.
0: Yeah, we uh, yeah we've dropped the hint a couple times, and I'll continue to drop it because I saw Isaac handed a lab dip over to me yesterday in the in our in our cubes. But we are looking at building out the apparel stuff for sure. So we'll we'll be getting more things. And I'm really really excited about that because it's. It's it's very clear. I mean, we did a huge development survey in January, and it was overwhelming the number of people that are interested in apparel stuff. And then seeing uh, patterns that you've been making, it's, it's very clear the industry is is really interested in the apparel stuff right now. Um, and we're all on board, so it's it's going to be really exciting to see that. But I want to go back to your your triad there, which because that's really interesting. As soon as you said that, I expected uh, to hear the triad that we use often enough, which is uh, durability, weight, and then price. Mm-hmm. I really like how you added sewability in there, especially for new makers that are maybe having a lot of fears about myog. Um, that's perfect. Explain a little bit more that sewability. So for people listening, like, you know, a point, you know, a x membrane, sewability, probably really low. <laughs> yeah, yeah <it's> really <laughs> like, tough to work with. Yeah, You know, 2.2 hex 70, I'm guessing that's sewability really high, right? Because there's a lot more, it creases more easily. It doesn't slip to the machine. Your machine doesn't eat it. That's kind of what yeah. you're thinking of, right? Right,
2: right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's how well does it handle, right? Does it fray a lot when you're working with it? right? Does it, does the machine feed it nice and even, you know, evenly, is it real slippery? Does it, is it hard to keep kind of your seam allowances together? Yeah. That, that to me is so ability and you know, not only that, but you know, something like XPAC where, you know, it's, it, they're really rigid and they're kind of hard to maneuver, especially if you're doing curved seams and things like that, right. That's a fantastic fabric. Um, but from a, you know, when you, when you put a line of stitching in and you have to seam rip it and now you have permanent holes in that fabric, right. That's that kind of lowers that sewability score for me, right? Something that's coded and you can easily, you know, seam seal it and things like that, that kind of raises that sewability up. So, you know, you kind of have to look at what the use case for the for the, the piece that you're working with. Like if it's a backpack, like what kind of backpacking are you doing? Are you doing, you know, scrambling on really tough terrain? Are you on more groomed trails and doing long distance travel, right? Those are two different requirements that may drive you in different selections for, for packs. But for people getting started, you know, really I think that, a coated fabric that's got DWR, you can pretty much make anything and it's going to handle the environment you're in quite well. So unless you're really counting grams, I would say that, you know, in that 70 den- seventy denier up to that 300 denier, right? Those are all kind of in that sweet spot of it's going to be very easy to work with. And uh, from a cost standpoint, they are quite affordable.
0: Yeah. That brings up another great point. Another fear that people had uh, was making gear that wasn't going to last in the backcountry or making gear that you would produce and then you go to use it and it just falls apart on you. And I am consistently surprised. So everyone knows that has listened before. I was new to MYOG when I first started. Um, when I first started at the company here, I'd I'd showed a little bit leading up to it, but like we're talking during the interview phase, basically (laughs) I was, I was starting to sew and being interested in that. Um, and the first thing I wanted to make was a running pack. And I actually, I didn't know who you were at the time, but I watched the video you made on your running pack way before and I eventually heard your name later on. And I watched that. I was like, oh my gosh, that was the first that you were the first person I saw that. I was like, okay, this, this can be doable. Someone else has done that. Um, so it's kind of a funny funny tidbit there, but that was the biggest thing I was worried about. I was running a 50K and I was like, I don't want to be 16 miles on the Appalachian Trail and then have my pack strap like rip out. (laughs) Um, But even for a newbie, like that thing lasted the whole time, right? It it did not end up having a problem. I wouldn't run with it now. Like it probably might not last three runs. I don't know, but it lasted the entire time that I was out there. And I do think people are continually surprised with how well these things can last. I mean, that pack was made out of Hyper D 300, which in the grand scheme of things is a, you know, it's not as nice as an X-Pack but it was super sewable yeah. to your point. Now that I realized that, like, I love that fabric and I didn't really know why, cause compared to other stuff, you know, it's not the most amazing one, but it's super mm-hmm. sewable. I do think it looks good. And like, it's really hard to mess up, you know, like a woven fabric like that. I right. could put a million holes in it and it was totally usable. Right. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. That's, that's cool to hear that, uh, you know, the videos and the and that thing, you know, the, that, that trail running pack really was kind of what launched the certainly the premium line of patterns that I've done that, that is definitely the most popular pattern other than the little everyday fanny pack. The trail running pack has done quite well in the community. And, you know, that's a pretty technical pack to make, you know, there's a lot of different fabrics in there, especially with the stretch, there's some fitting you got to do. Um, but you're right from a, from a, you know, just a longevity of these fabrics and, you know, just getting started, you know, you can sew a straight seam, you can pretty much make any of these packs, right? It's just how much time do you want to spend and how technical do you want to get with the skills?
0: And I think a lot of projects are really forgiving too. Yeah. I mean, there's are, there are very few projects. And again, I'm not a super experienced maker. Carter and Isaac could, could talk about many times they've done this most likely, but there's never a project goes by, goes by where I don't make at least a few mistakes on it. And it always turns out, you know, <laughs> like there's never a time where it, it really, that, that, that a single mistake or a, a misrun stitch ruins everything. Uh, what sort of experiences have you had? I mean, have you had a, a catastrophic failure or what's a funny um, instance that you've had, you know, where maybe a mistake has happened on your gear, but it actually turned out okay.
2: Uh, yeah. So uh, just very recently I was making a, another kind of fast pack, a little day pack and, uh, I can actually show you this one, right. And this is the the hex 2.2, but, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of my, my go-to strap for these, you know, the, the bottle upfront packs, like for running vests, And, I made this mistake where I use this woven fabric across the yoke of the pack. So it comes right across here on your neck. And, you know, I was doing it for aesthetics because I thought it would look cool. And I put it on and it was like really tight and cutting in my neck, just wearing it around the house. Right. And I thought the whole pack was going to get scrapped. Right. Cause this is like, once I put it on, like the whole pack was done. And luckily I was able to save it by cutting this little wedge in and getting some stretch back into it. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a pretty dumb mistake that I made and I knew better about it. And it's something that in the pattern instructions, I say, don't do this. Don't put this non-stretch fabric right across yeah. your neck. Right. But I was able to save this one and, and you're right. It is very forgiving. It was seam ripped a binding, cut the little wedge in and stitch it down. And, you know, the pack is very usable. I've used this a number of times now, and it's, this is a great little pack, but you know, really, really, I haven't had any none of my gear that I've made has really been, you know, has fallen apart or let me down on trail. Now there's certainly, I think you got to be realistic with your goals for your gear, right? If you're going to go out and, you know, be somewhere where you're, you know, potentially your life is dependent on that gear. Let's, you know, let's be honest with ourselves and maybe not make a climbing harness for your first project. Uh, but you know, tarps and tents and, you know, backpacks and stuff sacks and things like that, unless you're just, you know, being careless with your stuff, you're not going to destroy these things and they are going to be able to to work out for you quite well.
0: I love that adjustment that you made. Not only is that really wise and I'm, I'm definitely going to use that idea. (laughs) I've done that as well with the same, like the yoke being too tight. Um, but I I also really like that part of the experience. Like I think having to problem solve that it is incredibly frustrating. Don't get me wrong. Like no one likes finishing or basically finishing a pack and being like, this is unusable. Um, but it does like you, I've learned a lot from the times where I've had to problem solve something that was, you know, that that I wasn't going to use that pack or that piece of gear. Otherwise problem solving is, it definitely develops the skills a lot despite being really frustrating.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got to have to look at it. If if you enjoy the hobby, you're going to learn a lot in the mistakes, right? And if you just want a piece of gear and and you want to do it yourself and there's something unique about it, right. Go grab a pattern and follow along step-by-step with it. But you know, if you really are looking to experiment and do something new, you got to expect that there's going to be some failures along the way and your seam ripper is going to be your best friend, right? <laughs> and, you know, th- for the cost of these materials and the time it takes to do this stuff, it's not like you're going to have a lot invested in these projects, right? But, yeah. you know, the, the pack, like I see in the background in your window, right? A pack like that, you're going to learn pretty much all the key skills necessary to make yeah. much more complicated bags uh, that could be tailored specifically to the act- to your activity or the type of gear you're carrying in that bag.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And especially nowadays, the 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 number of kits available pretty much cover everyone's everyone's bases. You know, like I think that's the one thing I wish I had done earlier on is I I wasn't quite confident enough in my skills. So I didn't want to do a kit because that seemed like more of an investment than just like ripping apart on my own. But especially nowadays, all the kits that you offer and so many other people, there's a kit for everything. And that is not a guaranteed success mark, but you are very, much more likely to succeed on, yeah. you know, if you want something, you know, is going to work that the kits are, you know, a, a ton, you know, there's a ton out there. Right. But uh, to that point, one of the other fears that people have is uh, mismeasuring or uh, getting to the end of their pattern, realizing that things don't line up. You've made a ton of patterns. <laughs> what sort of tips do you have? Or uh, what have you found been maybe the anecdote to uh, misalign pattern pieces?
2: Sure. Yeah. The yeah, I think the, the biggest mistake people make and why that happens, right, is that they don't treat their seam allowances correctly and they don't they don't follow that seam allowance, right. I think everyone knows that. Hey, I'm, if I'm going to make a, a a rectangular bag, I'm going to design the dimensions of the panel. Then I need to add seam allowance, right. But then if they're not precise enough in their sewing, right, they may use too much seam. They may use too little, and those panels aren't going to align at the end. Um, if you are designing something from scratch, right, I really advocate. You know making a paper mock-up first and then making a prototype using you know really anything you can find that is somewhat representative of the fabric that you want to use right if you're using a, a non-stretch coated you know woven fabric you can use a bed sheet you can use an old t-shirt right there's you know there's anything you can really any real fabric you can use is going to make a pretty decent mock-up you know I use a lot of Tyvek for mock-ups just because it's you know something that's pretty cheap to acquire. Um, but uh, you know that's not very representative of stretch fabric. So you know, you got to have to, if you are going to do a prototype, try to find something that does have some of the same pop, you know, properties of the fabric that your ultimate fabric. Um, but yeah, paper mock-ups are a great way to really test your pattern. And then, uh, just making sure that if you are, you know, whatever seam allowance you do add, make sure you stick to that, especially on curved seams. Uh, cause that's where a lot of people go wrong with just little simple, you know, simple things like the everyday fanny pack where their seam doesn't end up lining at the end. It's because they didn't sew precisely enough, especially around that curve. And they ate up too much of the fabric to where it doesn't meet it. You know, the panel doesn't meet when they come to their last scene.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of, uh, a lot of the maybe fear around seam allowance or maybe the, the, the piece about that is knowing your machine too. I think a lot of people don't often know like, Oh, this presser foot is a quarter inch. This presser foot is a half inch, or even just knowing that or what, what the lines on your machine mean. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I say that cause that was me for a while. And I was sewing with Carter one day. He's like, Oh, just line it up with that line. I'm like, why would I do that line? He's like, because that's the quarter inch line, and then you get like, the quarter inch seam allowance. I'm like, oh, that's so helpful. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, like knowing that part of your machine will will give you a lot if you know, like I've you know measuring. Yeah, the seam allowance everywhere helps. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's certainly where you know if you have access to somebody who's familiar with sewing, even if it's quilting or you know, yeah. things like that. Right. Those people can really give you a leg up. Um, certainly, there's a lot of YouTube videos out there, but it's kind of drinking from the fire hose to find something that's you know it's yeah. really to really to the point, but you know, that the ebook that you guys came out with, I think is a great start for people of just getting familiar with really, you know, what, what's involved, what are the tools necessary to kind of jump in. And, you know, like I said, it's, it is pretty easy to get into it.
0: Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're really excited about that. So uh, a little bit about machines, what's your go-to machine, what, uh, what machines do you like, or which one do you use?
2: Well, like I said, I've kind of gone off the deep end and I have, I, I've, I went the route of industrials. Um, I, you know, I have the space and fortunate enough to be able to, you know, have have it a couple industrial machines. Um, but yeah, the probably my favorite machine is my needle feed machine. I have a Juki fifty four ten needle feed. That's kind of my my go to machine for most projects. Um, but a, an eighty seven hundred is straight stitch mechanical industrial. That's a fantastic machine. Uh, I know a lot of people use the Singer HD. That's a great one. Uh, Janome has the HD one thousand and the HD three thousand. Those are both fantastic machines. Um, So yeah, if you're going industrial, you kind of have to, I wouldn't say just jump out and buy an industrial, make sure you're into the hobby and that, you know, you know, kind of what type of projects you work you know, that you want to do Uh, because the industrials are a little bit more specialty. They're not as, as universal as a, as kind of your computerized domestic or mechanical domestic machine. Um, But yeah, the 5410 is, is really my go-to machine.
0: Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Um, On the tools as well. Earlier, we talked about the, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the good old seam ripper. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we talked about, uh, thread snips a while ago on the podcast, but, uh, Carter's also been through this endeavor where he tried to find the perfect seam ripper. Do you have a seam ripper that you really like? Cause I know like the ergonomics and the handheld and the length of the pick and all this stuff <laughs> are things that NYOGers love to get into eventually. Uh, but yeah, do you have a seam ripper that you like?
2: Yeah, I just, I don't have it up here with me. It's, it's just a, one of those cheap little, you know, <laughs> you know, dollar seam rippers, right? Blue handled. You know, I have a, I have one yep. of the little short ones that sits on my machine and then I ended up buying one of the, a little bit longer one. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That, uh, if I'm going to take a whole bag apart, that's the one that I end up using, but the little short, you know, a little short one you buy at that little, you know, at the checkout counter that at the craft store, you know, I've had one of those for a long, long time. It actually, you know, my mom gave it to me with a little kit when she sent the machine to me. Um, And yeah, that, that thing works great. I know people use scalpels and exacto knives and all that. And I, I don't know, I am more likely to cut myself with something like that, but, uh, you know, this cheap little seam ripper works. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Those are awesome. They also don't like you, you very rarely break them and they're not like scissors. They go dull that much either. Like (laughs) luckily they're they're Yeah. They're very consistent piece of kit, which is really nice. So another fear that people have is, uh, intimidation. So that's, somewhat getting started, but also uh, the cost can add up. So we talked about practicing materials and some of these bigger, uh, more expensive fabrics, but other than kits, what are ways that people can uh, ease that fear of intimidating about wasting too much money on, on a project?
2: Uh, I mean, certainly there's the cost of fabrics, right? And, and that ranges a lot, right? You can, if you're going to get into apparel, right? Apparel fabrics have gotten extremely expensive. Um, you know, craft store fleece, for example, is a great way to get started. Uh, you can, you know, if you catch the sales at like Joann's or Hobby Lobby, right. You can pick up, you know, a yard of, a yard of fleece for, you know, $5 or so, five, six bucks. So that's, that's pretty affordable. But, you know, I think the one way of being able to, you know, kind of get fabric really cheaply, if you want to, for small projects is if you go to Goodwill, go look in like the extra large or extra, extra large section. And you can find, you know, old rain jackets and things like that, that are synthetic fabrics that are going to be woven. They're probably coated fabrics, and they're going to be very representative of some of the fabrics that they would buy from Ripstop by the Roll. And you can buy a, you know, an entire raincoat for, you know, five to $10, cut that up and use that fabric for, you know, making stuff sacks and things like that. Um, Also, what I've done in the past is I've gone to like the, like a, you know, if you go to like an REI garage sale, right in the use section, they often have the, the footprints for tents, right? And that's like a massive piece of, of coated nylon that you can then use that and cut it up and use it for projects.
0: Those are great ideas. That's such, I have not thought about the, the rain jacket or the footprint, but that's, that's perfect. That also let me, uh,
2: so this, I'll just show you like this collar here, the, the extension collar on this pack, this is an old footprint that I had that I think I got it for a dollar at an outdoor store. And, you know, it was like in a cardboard box of please take me, right? <laughs> it, it was like five yards of fabric that I got for a dollar.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Cause that's most like, that's going to be a PU coated, fairly flexible, you know, to your point, yeah. very sewable. Yeah. that's. Yeah. that's I'm giving
2: away my secrets now. I'm never going to find those things again. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <no>. <laughs> Shortage of footprints. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's super wise question about, um, apparel stuff. So one of the reasons that a lot of people haven't started, and often when I say that, I just mean myself, but I know other people <laughs> said it as well. One of the reasons I haven't started making apparel yet is, um, I just haven't gotten well versed in the surgery. Now we do have one at work, so I can learn, but a lot of people don't have a surgery at home. They just have their, you know, singer HD or whatever. Um, have you made much apparel on a straight stitch machine? And, you know, what, would, how would you, uh, yeah, how do you how do you even begin sewing apparel with a stretch machine? Maybe maybe that's a question.
2: Yeah, so a serger is really. I wouldn't say most people need a serger unless they're getting into knit fabrics, right? So for you know rain jackets and windshells or wind pants, things like that, you really don't need a serger. Um, the serger is really good because when you have knit fabrics, they stretch a lot, right? And a serger uh, really it prevents the stretch of that fabric. And then the other nice thing is it finishes that seam for you as you sew. Um, so, you know, a serger, it's not necessary to make a lot of these garments, right? If you want to make a pair of hiking pants, you don't need a serger. Um, but it, you know, it probably is the best machine for people who are going to be working with fleece or, you know, any of the polar tech, alpha direct, things like that. A uh, serger is going to make your life a little easier, but it's certainly not required. Um, a, you know, a, a zigzag machine, a sti- you know, a zigzag stitch will do effectively the same thing. It's just going to be more work. Um, but you know, sergers are nice machines, especially if you, you know, if you have a straight stitch machine already, a second machine, if you really get into it, a serger is a good choice. Um, and they're not, you know, you can find them pretty cheap. I think I found mine on Craigslist for $50, right? It's, you know, a lot of people buy sergers, a lot of, you know, a lot of people who are into like quilting and stuff, they go to the store and they see their friends using them. They'll buy those machines. They'll sit for five years and then they have selling them, right? So you can find them pretty affordably. Um, but yeah, a serger is a, is really I would, if you are going to get into apparel, I think it is, uh, you know, worth trying to find a serger, but you definitely don't need a serger, right? The the windshells that I make, um, I, now I use a serger, but the first one I did, I didn't have a serger and I made it entirely on a straight stitch and I still use the straight stitch for inserting the zipper and, uh, you know, doing the pockets and things like that. What sort of finishing techniques
0: do you use after you use, do you just, uh, yeah, what do you finish with and you do a straight stitch or a zigzag stitch on apparel stuff?
2: So if you use a zigzag, you're effectively just going to leave that seam that, you know, if you do an over, like a zigzag is kind of an alternative to a overcast stitch. Um, okay. And you're the, you're, if you have a machine that does a zigzag, especially if it's a computerized machine, you probably have edge finishing seams, like an overcast stitch um, that you can do. Okay. Um, yes. You did, what do you mean now? Right. If you're just using, um, you know, the, the zigzag is there just to maintain stretch. Sure. Right? So you can, you can do an entire construction seam with a zigzag stitch. And then, if you want to finish that seam, you know you can you can fell it like you can flat fell it down. You could um, just do an overcast stitch on the remainder of that seam allowance. Um, but most people, if you're going to use this, uh, the zigzag, is it's doing both the construction and that seam finish at the same time. Um, alternatively, to in the zigzag is you could do a French seam, and it's that's entirely that's a straight. You know, two straight stitches that leave you with a finished edge on the inside of the of the inside of the garment. Uh, and again, it just it takes a little bit more time. Sure. Right. For, for me, when I'm doing videos and producing patterns, right. I'm not necessarily wanting to spend the time to make a, you know, make a fully finished garment. I want to do it quickly because it's the amount of time it takes to edit a video far outweighs the time it takes to make the, make the item. Um, so the surgery is nice. And I like to show people just, you know, different skills and different, different ways they can do things. So, you know, it's kind of contradictory where it's like, I, I want to help people get started. And I, but then I show like industrial machines and surgers, all this other stuff. And it's kind of like, do you need all that to get started? Absolutely not, right? And I try to I try to make that point in, the, in some of the videos of, you know, just because you see me using these tools, oftentimes it's just because it's easier and faster for me to use those tools um, and still produce content that is repeatable by people who may not have those tools.
0: That is something that's really fascinating to me about what you do um, is making something that you can then communicate to other people is such a difficult task in the MYOG world. I don't know if there's anything that I've made that I could really explain to people or make it repeatable or make it again. Cause sometimes I'm just doing it and I figure it out, but it's not something that could at all, or should be communicated to other people. Um, but that is so cool. And it's so helpful. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but from my own point, thank you for doing what you do. Uh, cause your patterns are awesome. Um, but you know, to that point, how do people make, how do, how do people simplify their patterns? Something that I've noticed with my own uh, pieces and other people is that it, it very quickly can get out of hand. <laughs> when you're making something, you can get distracted or get down the rabbit hole of, I should add this, or um, patterns just, they become more complicated with, with yeah. time. It seems like, how do you simplify these things to keep it something to keep your project, something that's manageable, manageable and finishable?
2: Yeah. I think you just got to decide not to boil the ocean with every project, (laughs) right? Like, you know, it's certainly, it's easy to go. And, you know, I think Osprey is a good example of this. You go to the store and you look at an Osprey pack and it's got like every bell and whistle ever imaginable on their pack, right? And there's straps everywhere. And there's all these tie downs and features and pockets and all this stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, if that's really what you want, do you want to spend 500 hours making that pack? Or is it better to just go buy that pack? Right. So I think that if you, when you are making your own gear, you've got to really decide. You know, what are the key things that that item needs to do for me and eliminate everything else, right? Really try to keep it simple because one, it's going to keep the cost and time down. It's going to keep just the complexity of the project down. And it's going to allow you to learn those core skills of, hey, how do I insert a pocket here? How do I deal with stretch materials, right? How do I do some of these things that you can eventually grow into more and more complicated packs? Um, So, you know, when I'm designing patterns, I often think about, you know, how does this how does this pattern fit into the rest of the patterns I have? Um, and, you know, what, what is new about that pattern that's different from other ones that, that helps people learn those skills so they can, you know, take it and tailor it to their own needs or use some of those skills to design something entirely of their own uh, and just kind of use, use my pattern as a point of departure. Um, so I think you just have to really simplify it down to what is it that, that packer really needs to do or that, that item needs, needs to do and try to eliminate all the other excess things Uh, just to keep it a manageable project. And thank you for the, for the nice words, I guess, uh, about the, about the site and the patterns. And it it is a lot of work doing the, you know, trying to teach, but it is hearing people use it and seeing their project. That's, that's really what is, it's, you know, it, it it helps keep going. It helps, you know, put the effort into it. And uh, you know, it is nice seeing people really, you know, take those patterns or hear that, you know, they use my patterns for their first project and they went off and made their own pack after that or their own garment after that. It is, you know, it is, it is really rewarding hearing that from the community.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can absolutely imagine. It's, it, it's been a, uh, it's a great industry to be in because there the community aspect is still very much there. And uh, there's not really, there's no one really owns the industry yet, which is phenomenal. There's so many different pieces and just so many different people make up what we do. Uh, yeah. And it makes it so exciting because there's so many different avenues. Like we produce a lot of, you know, we get, we get a lot of fabrics out there, but there's so many other people doing other things that we don't really want to touch. Like, we're not going to make a pattern generator. Like, there are great people out there doing that. And it's exciting to, that there's sources and resources and people educate, uh, educating the user base from a lot of different angles. It's, it's really exciting to see.
2: Right. It is a very fun community to be a part of. And it's, you know, everyone is very outgoing about, you know, I, I really have not come across anyone that's not willing to share ideas or, yeah. you know give you insights into what they're doing or just be willing to help. And it, it is a really great community to be a part of. And as you said, yeah, there's so many ways to get active in the community. You don't have to be just making the, the best gear to get, you know, really involved in the, in the community. It's, you know, you can be doing, you know, finding sources, right? There's there's people who are out there doing group buys of of, of items that are just hard to get. And they make it easy for, you know, people to buy small quantities of things. And that's, it's really cool. It's not a business for them. It's just a hobby. And it's kind of what the way that I treat this is, you know, it's a fun thing for me to do in my spare time. And if I'm going to design something for myself, it's not that much more effort to put that design out for the community to use and, and get something out of.
0: So. Yeah. Um, you recently asked on your Instagram, why people were scared of making technical apparel. Uh, if you'd be willing to share some of those results, what did you hear yeah. from people? <laughs>
2: Yeah. The biggest thing is that people are intimidated by it. Um, and I find it funny because I was certainly intimidated by apparel for a long time as well. And I still am. Cause it's, it is a rabbit hole to get into. Um, but yeah, the really the, the, it was, it was spread pretty evenly across the three main options of, you know, it's intimidating or it looks really hard. It's hard to fit the garment to your body. And then also just knowledge about fabrics in general, about making sure that, you know, they're picking the right type of fabric for the garment that they're making. Um, and yeah, there's, you know, apparel fa- apparel patterns. Sorry, there's a truck driving by here. here. <laughs> uh, apparel patterns, they, they're they kind of a dime a dozen, right? There's a lot yeah. of different people out there doing apparel patterns. So I think, you know, making sure that you're picking something that is representative of the garment that you want or the use of that garment that you want is important. Um, but yeah, the hopefully that, you know, getting the feedback from the community, hopefully can steer me in a direction to to make it a little less intimidating, especially on some of these projects that I've been there that are pretty basic, right? The complexity of sewing that windshell, right? There really isn't that much to it. Right. And from a technical skill level, it's a lot easier than sewing a trail running backpack. So, you know, I think making sure that I'm able to present that to people and show that hey, these are doable projects, hopefully opens it up for people to kind of dive into and, and experiment with garments. Cause it is a fun way to, you know, to get into making your own, making your own things.
0: What's the most intimidating project that you've ever done, or maybe the most difficult project you've had to work on?
2: I don't know. Um, I mean, none of them are necessarily intimidating. There's some that definitely take a lot of time and energy to, you know, to do well. Um, honestly, the, 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 uh, my first fleece pullover took a long time, right? Cause it was one, it was the first time really working with the knit fabrics. Mm. Uh, and yeah. then for me, because I'm putting designs out, right. Grading fabrics to multiple sizes, it's kind of like black magic, right? It's, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of resources out there to tell people how to yeah. really do that grading. Um, so I've you know I've done a lot of checking books out at the library to do research into sizing and you know looking for grading tables and things like that. Um, but as far as just a you know a single project, uh, the trail running backpack was pretty complicated of doing the you know doing the vest and the and the stretch pockets and things like that. And um, that one was a little was pretty complicated. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that many of them are necessarily intimidating to me. Right. I think of that's a, it's just, it's fun to get into it and kind of figure it out as I go. Um, right. And it's just, you know, I think the, you know, from a design standpoint, kind of figuring out these more complex projects to me, one of the things I do is I break to try to break it down, right. And do it step-by-step step. and then things that are complicated, or I can't really envision in my head how to do it. That's really when I jump into making paper mock-ups or prototypes of just, that piece of the design to figure it out and then simplify it down to where I can communicate that to other people.
0: Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I do think we, people that are making their own gear at home often, uh, at least I've seen this. And again, it's something that I've done as well <laughs> um, is we, we do get ahead of ourselves. We have the vision of what the final product is and we just want to get there. Yeah. Um, and I do think there's probably there probably needs to be a strong emphasis on, on enjoying the process for what it is. And you, you will get to that final product, but you really have to enjoy like the, you know, get a pen and paper out for a while and just spend time on that and then spend time on that mock-up and then spend time, you know, uh, the process is there for a reason, I guess. And and you really have to love the process to, I think, to maybe ease the fear of making your own gear.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's certainly, you know, if you want if you see something, you know, the mountain flyer for example right if you see that backpack and you're like that's the backpack i want because i want to go you know do a through hike or whatever right and you see that mountain flyer and you really want it right you can go buy that pattern you can go watch steven's class and he's going to show you every step right i'm kind of doing the same thing with a different kind of different niche of of these packs um but if you do want to design something from scratch right it's it is more complicated. It's going to take more time and, you know, you kind of have to spend the time and at the machine and at the, at the design table coming up with how to, how to actually execute these things. And, you know, patterns and kits are a great way to get started, but it kind of is just the entryway into much more complicated or creative processes that, uh, you know, that they do take time.
0: Yeah. Cause a lot of these things compound on each other too, right? Like, I mean, the, the skills that you use for the, a vest that you made are are just a little bit more, you know. Every each thing that you make normally just a little bit more elevated. They're all versions yeah. of straight stitches or zigzag right. stitches, you know. But like they're all right. versions of just learning how to feed something through your machine with folding in a certain direction.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. You know, yeah. More or less. <laughs> That's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, and and when you you know when you get to that next step, you figure out oh man, I, I could have been doing it this way, and it would, would have yeah. made the first job a lot easier. And you yeah. kind of have to learn those things. And you know, a lot of people ask like, hey what's the video I can watch to teach me all these things. And yeah, I wish I had that answer because it would have made my life a lot easier too. And that's, you know, I'm trying to present those types of skills, but at the same time, I don't want to do a video. That's just like, here's how to sew a straight stitch, right? <laughs> so on YouTube, yeah. there's yeah. a million of those videos that exist already that you can go watch.
0: Yeah. So one of the last fears that we're going to talk about here um, is as I hope, largely just a joke. Um, but if not, then we're going to take it seriously no matter what is somebody said, <laughs> the fear of getting hurt. Now I need to read this specific comment because it was pretty well said. Actually there were a handful. So one person, uh, said, what if I sew my fingers together and I have to live my life like that with no dexterity. And then my life is made into a movie and my part is played by Jake Paul. Very fearful. (laughs) Somebody else said, I sewed uh, myself uh, through a finger, no fears anymore. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And a hand, you know, somebody said they cut their finger with an X-Acto knife. Um, so there are some legitimate fears there. Um, but so, you know, we'll take that question where, wherever it goes. Um, but the fear of getting hurt with your sewing machine or with your tools, what do you have to say about that too? This is,
2: this is what I fear. this sucker right here, <laughs> the, the rotary blade, I tell you, I, I got three or four of these of various sizes, and I ended up buying a safety ruler because this thing scares me. I have cutting fabrics and cutting paper with a, with a rotary knife. These things are super sharp. Uh, you can definitely cut, cut yourself pretty well with it. So I ended up buying a safety ruler when, especially for making long straight cuts where one is more accurate and it keeps my finger out of the way of, of using those <laughs> uh, this. Uh, yeah, the sewing machine, I definitely have seen the horror pictures of people sewing through a finger. Uh, so, you know, be careful, but, uh, I wouldn't say that this is any more dangerous than, you know, cooking or doing woodwork and things like that. And people, you know, people work on their houses and do renovations and things like that. So, you know, just be aware of the tools you're using.
0: Yeah. That was my number one fear when Carter first introduced me to the industrial machine was sewing through my fingers. I didn't have too much of a fear of that with a home machine, doesn't move quite quick enough, but he un- had that thing on like 200 miles an hour <laughs> or whatever the equivalent of like stitches per second is. And that was terrifying for sure. So that's definitely a, you know, plus one in the home machine category. You're very much yeah. less likely to sew your, sew your fingers together.
2: <laughs> yeah. The sewing machine is pretty, can be pretty intimidating. Um, but, uh, you know. Starting with a, starting with a domestic is a great way to get going because like you said, it is a little bit more approachable than a, than a full up industrial. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can only, you can only push the gas pedal so hard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The other, when I first read that question of what, you know, fear of getting hurt, uh, a part of me wondered for a brief moment, I was like, man, is this, is this like a physical getting hurt? Is this like an emotional getting hurt? Like, is your ego going to be hurt sewing the gear? And uh, I think that's also true to a point. You know, it's, it's possible, but I do, I think it does go back where, you know, this is, this is not a Ted talk and I don't want it to be, but it is about the process and there are going to be really bad pieces of gear, um, that you make. But I do think those, uh, the piece, the worst pieces of gear that I made were like, when I first learned, like put the zipper on backwards Mm -hmm, or something, or you get the, the teeth wrong or, you know, you whatever. Um, every time something has been, has been learned and those are really easy to trash and redo. So don't, right. for all yeah. of you out there worried about it, don't, don't fear about messing that up or don't fear getting physically hurt or mentally hurt. Cause they'll both, they'll both heal.
2: Luckily it's a great community, right? And yeah. you know, if you go on, if you go on the subreddit, you're going to see people's their very first project. And it looks like they sewed something with a chainsaw and you're like, what <laughs> did they do wrong on that thing? But the community is super helpful. Right. And it's yeah. like, you know, no one's really going to throw you under the under the bus on some of this stuff. Right. And they, you know, I see people sew things with the fabric on the, you know, with the coated side on the outside instead of on the inside. Or like you said, have the zipper, Classic. you know, attached to the front of the seam instead of on the back. Right. So those types of things you'll learn as you go and, uh, you know, leverage the community. The, the subreddit is a great place to be that there's there's forums and other things that you know, are great, uh, great ways to learn
0: yeah I think everyone can take um they can take solace in knowing that no one 's going to see something they haven 't seen before yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can 't mess a bag up worse than worse than Tim 's ever seen on Reddit before <laughs> well tim uh that is just about it. I think we've uh covered most of the fears that these people are having. Um, thanks for joining us today. And just once again, thanks for everything that you do for, for learn NYOG. I mean, you're working with our, our maker sponsors this year. And, uh, there's a lot of people that, that get to benefit from the knowledge that you have. And we're really happy to have you on episode finally, and just get to pick your brain a bit more.
2: Yeah. Thanks. It's really, really cool to be here. You know, I just think of myself as a community member, just like everyone else out there. Right. It just happens to be that I have a website that's gotten pretty popular. Um, it's awesome to be, you know, be here with you guys and to get to talk and also certainly to help with the maker community and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, thanks for the time.